This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Yes, you read the title correctly. This episode is literally all about pooping and having sex, specifically in postpartum. However, a lot of this information can be generalized to everyone. When I was chatting with Aaliyah on Instagram, we were trying to figure out what topic we would talk about for her episode. And when she told me that she loves talking about things that nobody else wants to talk about, I was like, this is perfect. Let's talk about poop and let's talk about sex. She responded in all caps saying, let's do it. So here we are. Aaliyah has a five-year-old son who she lovingly refers to as her mama maker and her vag breaker, which is probably one of the best things I've ever heard. She is also a pelvic health physiotherapist who exclusively focuses on women's health, including prenatal and postpartum pelvic health, preparing women for labor and delivery, and common issues such as leaks, pelvic pain, painful sex, and diastasis recti. She created Box Wellness Co. as part of her mission to teach women about the changes that occur in their bodies throughout their lifetime, especially during pregnancy, birth, and in postpartum. When she's not changing the face of women's health one virtual vagina at a time, you can find her playing Magna Tiles with her five-year-old son, eating popcorn, or moving her body. I know you guys are going to fall in love with her after you listen to this episode, and hopefully you will be pooping better and sexing better in no time. That's right, I said sexing. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode about poop and sex. Today I'm talking with Aaliyah Dalla from Box Wellness Co. She's a pelvic health physiotherapist, and I always ask people to send me a uh, hundred about like a short 100 word bio. And I loved how in her bio, she told me that she refers to her five year old son as her mama maker and her vag breaker. So (laughs) that gave me a little bit of a chuckle. So to start the episode, I just kind of wanted to let you tell us a little bit about yourself. So like your family, where you live, also a little bit about what Box Wellness Co is and the kinds of patients that you treat and how you're treating people. Sure. So my name is Aliyah, as you said, um, and I'm a pelvic health physiotherapist, um, and I'm based in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Um, and a little bit about me. Uh, so I am married, and I have a five-year-old son who indeed made me a mom. And I have to say that he does get the credit for kind of making me like be so passionate about pelvic health in women who are pregnant and postpartum. Um, The thing is, is that I've been a physiotherapist for about 12 years, but it wasn't until he was born and like literally broke me (laughs) um, (laughs) that I kind of was like, wait a second, like this whole secret hidden, um, you know, sort of thing about like the changes that happen to our bodies when we're pregnant, like what we go through as women during pregnancy and labor and delivery and then postpartum recovery, I just felt that even though 
I was a physio and like not a new physio. The human body like is my jam. I still was like, wow, there's so many secrets here that I wish someone had kind of told me. Um, and I ended up with a little bit of my own like pelvic dysfunction story after he was born. Um, and I had to kind of like fix that, right? To like learn more about that, to work with a pelvic health professional. Um, and that's kind of when I really you know, discovered that this, this is the space that I want to be working in. And these are the types of women that I want to be helping. So I guess like my five-year-old is the reason that you and I are chatting today, Renee. Um, <laughs> but he's, he's awesome. He's funny. He's really obsessed with uh, Captain Underpants. So like, oh, I mean, nice. yeah, it's, it's actually quite funny. It's like mildly inappropriate for a five-year-old, I feel. And I think he's learning a lot of sort of older boy bad words. But he's reading, so I'm just going to let him do it. Um, right? I mean, you take the good with the bad. But so, yeah, so that's kind of, um, I guess he was, he's the driving force behind this in a way. He doesn't know it. Um, but yeah, so basically my business, Box Wellness Co., is a place where you can come to to learn about your body, to learn about kind of pelvic health, to learn about changes that happen during pregnancy, postpartum. Um, I offer consults all around the world. Um, so if you want to learn more, if you have specific questions or specific issues going on and you can't find somebody in your community or you, you know, would rather work with someone online. Um, yeah, I work with women that are in the States that are, you know, in my community that are um, like way across the world in India, for example. So I really love working with just pregnant and postpartum women. I just feel like there's such an underserved population and all these hush-hush secrets. Um, I'm sure you and I are going to chat about a lot of them now, but yeah, so that's kind of what I do. I hope to be able to do a whole bunch of health education, which in my opinion is really a form of intervention and I think that like we owe it to each other as women to like not keep these secrets and to to share the real truth about what's going on and you know what the more that you know about your body the more empowered you truly are to like take your health into your own hands and take your experience a little bit into your own hands so that's um that's kind of what I do and why I do it totally I love how you said that the education is so important because I always say like how can we know what to do or know who to go see or what's going on if we have zero knowledge about what's happening to us, right? And so I was just downstairs talking to my husband, like talking his ear off about how just because I've done these a lot of podcast recordings this week, and it all happened to be with healthcare professionals. And the common theme that always comes up is kind of the lack of care for women in postpartum. It's mm -hmm. enraging that it's just this six-week appointment. And I mm -hmm. always say, and people are going to be like, Renee, why do you say this on every podcast episode? But I'll say it again. I feel like that six-week appointment is like, oh, your organs aren't falling out of your vagina, so you're good to go. Like, see you later. <laughs> and that's it. And it's like, there's so much more that can be happening and that needs to be assessed. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Lil Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. 
The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon Plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, I wanted to ask you, so you have a five-year-old son and you just mentioned briefly that you had issues yourself during, um, postpartum with regard to your pelvic floor. So I was wondering if you could tell us just a little bit about that, like what your experience was in pregnancy and for delivery and then in postpartum, like in your recovery. For sure. Yeah. I'm happy to share. So during pregnancy, like I had, I was one of those people that pregnant women who have more challenging pregnancies hate. Like my pregnancy was was fine. I felt, you know, great, blah, blah, blah. Didn't really have too many issues. I was able to be quite active, like, you know, up until 38 or 39 weeks, like it was fine. Um, but then when it was time for Buddy to like enter the world, he took his like sweet ass time. <laughs> he took like 46 hours of labor, it was oh just my too God. much. It was just too, I was a broken person before he even like, <laughs> before he even came out. So it was just a really long labor. It was like, thankfully he was fine and I was fine in terms of like, there was nothing um, really medical that was going on. It just, it just took forever. It was a very long, there was a lot of pushing and like just not a lot of action happening out, happening uh, on the other end. So when he eventually did show up, yeah, like I said, he was super healthy. But and I didn't have immediate issues. I didn't, like, not that I knew of kind of thing. Um, so postpartum, I think I had a recovery that was probably similar to, to many women. 
however he was colicky so I, I really did truly hate my life and he didn't sleep so I like really really did hate my life but physically I think I was okay but it wasn't until like a little bit later when I started to get back into the activity levels that I was kind of performing at before and lifting heavier weights that like at some point my body and like my pelvic floor in particular was not able to meet the demands that I was putting on it um, and so I, I figured out a little while later that I had a prolapse um, and this was bothersome for me physically and like mentally I had a really hard time getting around it, which which is super common with women that have a prolapse diagnosis. Um, and so I, I like sought, you know, help and and kind of went from there. So that was kind of my story. It didn't show up right away. I didn't feel any symptoms. And also at my six week checkup with my doctor, like she didn't tell me anything was like falling out of my vagina. Um, so it very well could have been and I just didn't know. Um, anyhow, so but it's all good now. It's something that, you know, for the most part is quite controlled. And I feel empowered about it. Yeah, that's my story. What activity were you doing? I'm just curious. Yeah, no. So it was like just lifting weights. So I was like exercising, you know, doing body weight type stuff. And then as I started to lift more and more weights, and like, these were not heavy weights that I was lifting at the time but there's always like a threshold where you know whatever strategy you're using whatever muscles you're using whatever pelvic floor kind of control and strength that you have whatever inner core strategy you're using and breathing strategy at some point it you know there there may be a threshold where like what you're doing your current strategy is not able to match so I guess that's likely what happened to me and so I just needed to like check what was really going on with my pelvic floor I needed to have an internal exam obviously so that Another physio could tell me what was going on with my pelvic floor in terms of the strength and the coordination, um, you know, looking at other muscular imbalances that I had. Some of them were longstanding um, and kind of like just, you know, put the pieces back together. And a lot of the work that I did was with the help of a really great physio, but also like on my own and figuring out my own body and learning about how there's so many factors that come into play with pelvic floor dysfunction. It's not just simply like do your Kegels and you will be fine. Um, I, I wish it was that easy, but that's not really the case. And so having like guidance and support to have someone there to help you put the pieces of the puzzle together, that's really important if you can't you know, do that for yourself. Right. And I think part of the misconception is that you know, if you have any issue in your pelvic floor, then just do Kegels and that's the answer. And it's like, no, like doing that can actually make it worse if you don't know what your specific problem is. So I think it's good. Like, I love that I've been doing episodes a lot about the pelvic floor because I think it's people don't understand it. And we're just kind of told, oh, yeah, make sure you do your Kegels. Huh? And it's like, well, no, that's not actually true. So yes, I'm very happy to talk about this stuff. Obviously, I, I agree with what you just said. And I actually feel that by, you know, by medical practitioners saying like, oh, just do Kegels to address, you know, whatever pelvic floor dysfunction, um, you know, you pee a little bit, oh, just do your Kegels or like, yeah, you feel like something is falling out of your bed. Yeah, just do more Kegels. Like, and women to other women, I actually feel like that's really dismissive. I feel like it's just this like stupid thing that we say to each other and that people say to us. And it's like, you're not even taking three minutes to actually understand the problem or listen to how, you know, these things are actually affecting my quality of life. And you're just being like, do a Kegel. Like, I just feel like it's so dismissive. And I think it's, it's very like, you know, it's kind of the way that it, that it is. And it's kind of what I'm trying to change. 
And it also makes it, 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 when you just say, oh, well, you have to do more Kegels, it almost makes it sound like it's the woman's fault. Like, well, you can easily fix this yourself. So why, you know, like, just do your Kegels. That's all. Like, it, yeah, like try it harder. Is, it's, yeah. yeah, it's dismissive and it and it kind of puts the onus on the woman, like that it's her fault almost. Mm-hmm. So the overall topic for this episode is things that women don't want to talk about with regard to postpartum. So obviously, I'm going to do an episode about this. (laughs) And (laughs) when I was chatting with Aaliyah on Instagram, and she said that she loves these kinds of topics, I was super pumped. Um, So we're going to be talking about like pooping and having sex after giving birth and all that fun stuff. Um, So because your line of work deals with things like this, like the pelvic floor, it's not just about like incontinence or leaking urine, like it affects pooping, it affects, you know, painful intercourse, all kinds of things. And I think it must be, or maybe you can tell us, is it frustrating to know that so many people are probably dealing with these issues, but it's because of embarrassment or they don't want to like get the internal exam that they just kind of suffer and live with whatever issues that they're going through. Like it must be frustrating for you and you must think like, oh my God, just come see me. Totally, totally. That's exactly it, right? Because first of all, like with with pelvic health physio, I can't speak for every uh, practitioner out there. Obviously, everybody has their own approach and their own way of doing things. But with me in particular, so much of what I do with you know clients or patients is education right there's so much that firstly we don't know so by spending an hour with someone like the amount of information I usually end up like throwing at them is crazy I usually write like a novel of an email just to recap it all so people have a chance to like read back and and absorb what we went over so firstly there's so much education that you can benefit from even if you really don't want to have an internal exam right and it is frustrating because I have the tools to literally help you regain, like, you know, quality of life for some of us, right? Or get you back to doing some activities that maybe you weren't doing before because you didn't want to, like, pee in your pants a little bit or, you know, stuff like that, that, like, I'm minimizing as we speak right now, but that's, that's not, that should not be minimized, right? I'm simplifying it right now in this casual conversation, but these are really meaningful things, right? Like, for women to chat with me in person or, like, over a video, and cry is not uncommon when they learn that they have like, they have the capability to make changes and I can just help them make these changes. And for sure, there's hard work that needs to be done and I can't do that work. But just to know that there's, that it's not going to be dismissed and that there are things that people can do that are just beyond do more Kegels. It's really wonderful to be a part of that experience. And it's really frustrating when there's people that, you know, desperately need that. However, there's barriers that are there, right? Maybe they they really don't want the internal. But now with virtual care, there's lots of ways kind of around that that don't replace having an internal exam from like a experienced qualified professional, but they're kind of workarounds that work fairly well. I usually actually ask my my clients that I see virtually to do an internal on themselves and I teach them what to kind of feel for. Um, so at least we can get like a baseline of what their muscles are doing if they're doing anything at all. So there's ways around it for sure. It shouldn't be a barrier. If like anyone's listening and they're, and they're thinking like, oh, I, I, I would go to a physio in my community, but I really don't want anyone 
to have their fingers up my badge. Like I get it, but you don't have to do that. There's still so much you can benefit from just from learning. I always think to myself, like, this is their job, you know, because if I get nervous, if I'm going to go to whatever appointment, like even a freaking bikini wax, I'm like, this is what they do all day. Like, I am not, I'm not special enough for them to be like, oh my God, look at this girl. Like, no, they don't care. Like, this is their job. So hopefully, I'm hoping that these conversations with healthcare professionals will make people feel better and not as embarrassed and just be able to, you know, muster up the courage to just go and see somebody, get over that initial consultation. And then you'll realize that it's really not that big of a deal. It's like any other medical appointment. And they're going to give you tools to work on at home by yourself, which is also nice. So our first topic is poop, which is great. Like I love talking about pooping and stuff. Just earlier today, my husband was like, can you close the door when you're pooping? And I was like, just don't look at me then. Like, like, what's the big deal? Um, So yeah, I'm not shy about poop at all. So first, I thought maybe you could just explain in general how the pelvic floor affects pooping. Absolutely. So I think there's a lot of women that when, you know, that when they come for pelvic floor therapy they're like why is she asking me about my poop like why are we talking about this and it's because it is completely related to our pelvic floor and to our pelvic health so our pelvic floor the muscles that kind of comprise the entire pelvic floor you know there's like a few layers of muscles many different names um they're responsible for a bunch of different things that we don't really need to get into it's you know we can do a good job with this conversation without doing that. But what we should know is that the muscles of the pelvic floor are responsible for letting things out when we want them to come out. So for example, pee or poo or a baby when you're in labor. And those muscles are also responsible for keeping things in when we want to keep them in. So you have to fart and you're like in a yoga class, you squeeze your booty hole and you don't let the fart out. Maybe you do. But those are your pelvic floor muscles that are helping. You have to like take a poo or a pee and you're somewhere where you don't have access to a washroom like you hold it in and those are your pelvic floor muscles right so that is on a very oversimplified um you know in a very oversimplified way how our pelvic floor muscles are like directly related to how we poo and how we poo like from like the position that we can poo in to like how to have better softer poos like what does it mean to actually be constipated these are all things that like I love talking about (laughs) me as well. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner, 
I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. So during pregnancy or even labor and delivery or in postpartum recovery, what can happen to the pelvic floor that affects someone's being able to go poo? That's a great question. So during pregnancy, it's not uncommon for a lot of women to be fairly constipated or to just have like slower gut motility than they're used to. You know, hormones do these things to us, not to mention the fact that our organs are literally moved out of the way to accommodate growing baby. Um, so things are squished. Stuff is moving slower through our intestines than they typically would. Um, and the pelvic floor as it is, is like fairly overloaded, just dealing with holding and supporting a growing baby in your body and your changing body. So during pregnancy, a lot of women do experience some constipation. So Keeping that constipation like away is important during pregnancy and learning how to do that by like, you know, obviously drinking a lot of water, um, eating really fibrous foods, maybe taking magnesium if that's cool with your OB and that's okay with your medical team. Um, and, you know, using some strategies when you're going to the washroom can really help. So that's just in pregnancy in particular, because we do want to try to avoid constipation, chronic constipation and straining during pregnancy. That whole thing, like, you know, holding your breath, closing your mouth, like just like pushing the poo out, that is really hard on your pelvic floor. And when pregnant, like I mentioned, our pelvic floor is already kind of working over time. Like, give it a break. Just like have softer poos, you know, learn how to use your breath to kind of get the poo out. And we can talk more about that too. But that's a pregnancy concern is constipation. When it comes to labor, like, you know what, if you're having a vaginal delivery, you're probably going to shit on the table, on the bed. You're probably going to do it. It's fine. I've I've always heard this. And so I, I'm like an anxious person. And my, my physical reaction to being anxious is going poo. And so when I like I was induced, so I knew that I was going in to have my baby. So I probably like pooped all my poop out before I got to the hospital. Mm -hmm. So I didn't poop and I had a fairly quick labor and delivery. So mm -hmm. I didn't poop, but I did pee on my OB. <laughs> Nice. Which was well, pee is better than poo. I mean, <laughs> let's just say it. Yeah, like I pushed so hard that I I peed on her, but so that's it. But what I wanted to share, which 
I don't know if this is common, but about a week before I was induced, and I was induced at 38 weeks, I had a couple raging like diarrhea attacks to the point where I was home alone during the day. And I had to call my mom who lived down the street, like to come up to our house because like, I couldn't, like, I thought I was dying. I was having crazy. It was so crazy. And it was like diarrhea, but it was also the worst part was that I couldn't stop like, like what you were saying, straining and like pushing, pushing, like Mm. it was, it was uncontrollable. And it was so bad that when I had my appointment with my OB, like the day after, I had her check my bum because I was pushing so hard that I felt like I like hurt my bum hole. Like I'll explain after how after I gave birth to Milo, I felt I describe it as it felt like my butthole was inside out. Like that's how I describe it from pushing so hard. Yeah. And that's what I felt like during those diarrhea attacks and afterwards. And she checked me and she was like, don't worry, you're fine. But she explained to me that when your body's preparing to give birth, some people have these surges of whatever hormone it is, and it can cause like those severe, like dire upset stomach, uh, like attacks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was my experience with poop That's while I was fun. pregnant. Yeah. Really and then, fun. oh my God. Yeah. But then I didn't poop on the table. So that's a bonus. And oh, I did. I did. <laughs> you did. Did they tell you? No, they were so nice about it. Like, it's their job. The same way that it's, like, my job to, like, look at vaginas. It's their, like, the the nurse, it's their job. Like, they're ready. They have that, like, you have dogs, right? They have that, like, puppy pee pad, right? That, like, you're, you're, is under you. And, like, you know, if you have a little, you're pushing and the baby's not coming out, but a little bit of poo squirts out, they just ask you to lift your hips. Like, they just switch it all up. They're very discreet. Like, nobody's right, like, I've- oh. Aaliyah, you just shit. Like, no one said that, but I like. I mean, I was quite certain I did. I know I did. No, I've heard that they that that's what they do. They don't really like even acknowledge it. So that's why I'm shocked that you know that. Well, I think that like so the beginning of my son's life was remains a blur like literally five years later I am putting the pieces back together still like the sleep deprivation was real and I don't know maybe there was more going on and I'm laughing about it now but like honestly there are pieces that I don't remember and there are pieces of that 46 hours that I don't remember so I don't know if like I asked did I just poo and someone was like yeah kind of or whether my husband later was like you absolutely pooed on the table multiple times like I don't know how (laughs) but I do know for a fact that I pooed anyway a lot of people will and it's okay they're so nice about it like that's their job right they're they see all kinds of bodily fluids and it's cool it's fine it's normal of course, like you're pushing so hard, like so hard. you're pushing a, a human out of yourself. How do you expect oh the little bit of poo in your intestines to not come yeah, out? Right? Like, like the baby is going to like put physical pressure on your rectum, which is where the poo kind of hangs out before it exits your body as it as the baby is actually coming out. Right. Like it has. It's a very small space down there. There's not really space for like a full baby's head, a full grown baby's head, a rectum that's full of poo, a black like there's just things get squished, right? Not to mention the pressure, like the intra-abdominal pressure that the mom is generating to actually push the baby out, right? Like, who's gonna, things are going to come out. It's okay. It's normal. 
And it's like your your pelvic floor muscles, the muscles that you're actually using to push, it's not like you can isolate those to just the ones around the vagina. Like, no, you're pushing most of your pelvic floor, I believe, is around your rectum, right? Yeah, it's like on the bottom, right? So it's like, yeah. if you think, yeah, if you think about your crotch, like from your tailbone to your pubic bone in the front, and from your kind of sits bone or like your butt bone on the bottom side to side, right? So it kind of covers that whole part. But just to clarify, when you're in labor and you're pushing the baby out, your pelvic floor muscles should actually not be doing the pushing, right? Like they should actually be relaxing as I, or like lengthening, right? So as I kind of said, when I was talking about poo and how the pelvic floor is actually has anything to do with poo, we need to be able to relax those muscles to let things out, right? And contract our muscles to keep things in. So we don't really actually want to be squeezing those muscles when we're trying to push a baby out or push a poo out, right? So it's one of the strategies that I like to work on with women prenatally is how do you kind of visualize and connect with your pelvic floor and kind of keep it really relaxed and lengthened as you take a poo every day or more than once a day or, you know, visualize generating a lot of pressure to like birth your baby um, as opposed to kind of like, generating a lot of pressure, pushing and squeezing everything down there. It's quite challenging if you think about it. You're kind of working against yourself. So just a clarification about that. Right. It's like the release of the Kegel as opposed to the the tightening up of the Kegel, right? Exactly. And that for some women, that is like harder to achieve in some cases to actually lengthen and relax. And there's a lot of us that kind of walk around all day, like really clenching our muscles down there without even knowing, right? Some of us are are anxious and that's a manifestation of where we hold our anxiety, you know, some of us have jaw pain, right? We're anxious, we crunch our jaws. Um, we, you know, there's, you know, some evidence to show that our pelvic floor is kind of like that the same way. We kind of just hold it all in there. Um, so to relax is quite difficult for a lot of us. Yeah. Something, yeah. And you, most people need to work on, on that mm-hmm. part of it. That's a lot of the work prenatally is to make sure that, you know, um, we're able to connect and relax that pelvic floor, not just do the Kegels. So the first poop after delivering a baby. So I know they give you the stool softeners at the hospital. Mm -hmm. But yeah, what, like, I think that's a big fear for a lot of women because you're so, so much trauma has happened Mm -hmm. down there because of the labor and delivery that it's kind of scary to think that you're going to you know, have to like push out poo. And then also what's scary is to clean yourself after. Like I was so swollen that like, you know, you have the squirt bottle, but you know, you're like patting yourself super gently with like a cold, like wet wipe. And so, yeah, it's a scary thing. So is there anything, any advice or what tips would you give for women for going poop after a vaginal birth? Yeah. So definitely take the stool softener when they give it to you. Don't even think about it. I often recommend women um, to pack their own stool softener just in case for some reason, like, I don't know, it's not given to them or whatever. Like, it's so important. Even if you think your poops like aren't hard, there's there's no harm. Just take a stool softener. So keep Mm -hmm. it soft, right? Like you really want to try to make sure, give give yourself a chance, have a nice, easy poop. Um, You want to have a soft poop. You want to try, if you can, not to do what we all want to do, which is to like, you know, you feel the urge to poo and you're like, oh my God, no, I can't. And then you kind of 
ignore the urge. You delay it, right? So you kind of end up constipating yourself. You ignore the urge to poo. Baby wakes up. You don't know what the hell you're doing because it's a newborn and they don't talk. And you're sleep deprived already. Like just when you have to poo, keep it soft and just go, right? So you want to not delay it. You want to sit on the toilet. If you can, prop your feet up on a stool, right? There's this thing that a lot of pelvic health um, professionals kind of really promote called the squatty potty. It's wonderful. I love it. You have it? It's awesome, right? My sister has one and I was just at her house a couple weekends ago and I was like, this is the bomb. Like, I love it. I need that one. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And you know what? They're they're really convenient. They're, they tuck away quite nicely. So like for those of you who don't who are listening and who don't know what it is, it's just like a, a step stool that kind of tucks it tucks under your, your toilet kind of thing, like tucks right close to it. Um, and it's basically, you just want something, whether it's a squatty putty or your kid's step stool or something, you just want something to put your feet on so that your knees are a little bit higher than your hips. Okay. And then you want to kind of sit up a little bit tall as opposed to, as opposed to being slouchy and lean a little bit forward. So maybe put your elbows on your sides if that feels good. Um, and then again, just avoiding straining and avoiding like holding your breath and pushing. And instead, just taking a nice deep breath into your belly. And as you exhale, you can exhale through kind of clenched teeth or exhale through like a circle lip. Some people say, imagine you're blowing out a birthday candle really, really slowly. Um, so you just kind of want to do like a big inhale. And then as you exhale, just like slowly generate pressure that way with your breath, as opposed to inhaling nice and deep and then holding your breath and pushing the poo out. So I always say like breathe the poo out as opposed to pushing the poo out. Um, <laughs> and that is a really nice way of keeping your pelvic floor quite relaxed. Um, and it's just nicer. It's just nicer to your body. Yeah, I saw a diagram on Instagram the other day, actually. And it was showing it was basically like a diagram of your internal organs and your pelvic floor and how like the difference between sitting on a toilet normally versus sitting on a toilet with the squatty potty or with your feet up on a stool. And it was crazy because the like it literally opens up like the passage for poop to come through as opposed to like pinching it almost. Yeah, that's exactly right. So like there's a, one of the pelvic floor muscles, it actually loops around the rectum. So just like quick anatomy check, the rectum is where the poo hangs out before it exits your body through the anus. Okay. So the rectum is a pelvic organ. It sits in your pelvis just behind your uterus. Um, so the rectum is where, what holds your poo, right? So there's a muscle that literally swings around your rectum. And if we sit on the toilet, and I kind of always do this demonstration, whether I'm in person or whether it's over video. And I just kind of like say like, well, what do you look like when you sit on the toilet? And people kind of look at me. And I say, this is probably what you look like. And I sit on my chair and I lean back and I kind of slouch and I take my phone in my hands because that's what most of us do. We just like sit on the toilet. We lean against the back. We curve our back and we just like look down at our phone or our book or like whatever the heck we do when we're on the toilet. But we're definitely not sitting up tall. When our hips and our pelvis is in that position, like just slouched over and comfy, um, that muscle that loops around the rectum, it like chokes the rectum, right? So like the poo that's there has a really hard time just passing through. Now, if you put your knees up, you change the angle already you change the angle of your hips. You sit up a little bit taller and you lean slightly forward. Again, you're changing the angle of your hips even more. And just that simple change in the angle, it like unkinks the rectum. Like that muscle that loops around, it kind of slackens a little bit and it allows more space for the poo to kind of go straight down and out your rectum as opposed to maybe part of it coming out 
Um, you know what I mean? So yeah, that's a really cool, I, I think I know what you talked, what you're talking about. Cause I've seen stuff like that floating around on Instagram and, um, I like those visuals. Yeah, totally. I was like, whoa. So the squatty potty and like the, the position on the toilet, that whole thing applies for that first, you know, potentially scary poo after having, you know, whether it's a vaginal or a cesarean birth, right? Like that first poo can be scary no matter what. Um, and also that same kind of strategy would apply for those prenatal poos where we might be constipated and even if we're not. And for kind of really, that's how we should be pooing all through life. I really do feel Yes, that. yes. And for the postpartum poo, the first poo, i I found anyways that once I did it once, then it wasn't scary anymore. Like it was mm -hmm. really just that first one. And then once you see that it's going to be fine and your whole, you know, internal organs aren't going to come out your butt, <laughs> then <laughs> then it's fine. <laughs> yeah, but it definitely, there is a reason to be worried, right? Some of us, like we, if we have a, a tear of our perineum, which is a space between our vagina and our booty hole, if we tear, we've had sutures, or maybe we have to have an episiotomy, which is when the um the OB would actually cut that that tissue there to make more space for baby to come in perhaps if they had to use forceps or vacuum or some other kind of intervention so think about it right like we know that when we have a wound we want to keep it clean obviously you don't want to like stretch it or damage it now suddenly we have like a wound right there at the bottom of our vag very 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 close to our booty hole and now we're just going to go and like literally put fecal bacteria all over it right so it is reason for concern but totally. it's fine it's fine just do it like you have a nice happy poop the way that you know we just kind of chatted about and then use the the squeeze bottle use that those peri bottles and you know wash poo away and everything will be okay for the most part yeah i loved the peri bottle and also the i guess they were they're really cooling wipes from tux which i think mm. they're for hemorrhoids yeah the witch hazel ones. Yes, they were mm -hmm. so good. I loved those. So that's that's a hot tip right there. Get those uh, Get for those. sure. And even the brand Frida, uh, F-R-I-D-A, that brand has like a whole line of really neat postpartum um, stuff. Uh, like they have a really neat peri bottle that's just like a little bit more ergonomic or like you know, easier to use. They have like these wipes like you described. They have some cool stuff. So yeah, but use the tux ones. I still have that Frida peri bottle that was the best thing ever I love it I tell like I think that's on my list of postpartum products that you have to have because it was so good okay switching topics so I I'm so proud of us because we just talked about poo for a long time <laughs> I could keep saying like I want to know. know why you why you felt like your asshole was inside out like I really want to know this if you want oh my god you know what I well I think I just I pushed. Okay, so my my sister and my husband were watching or like coaching me through the birthing process. Um and my sister was like, "You're like the LeBron James of giving birth." That's what she said. Because I I was pushing so hard and every time I pushed really hard and then he didn't come out, which was like, you know, my I think I pushed for like 40 minutes or something. Every time he didn't come out, I would go, fuck, like this, like, like I was so, and the nurses were like, don't be so hard on yourself. It's okay, sweetie. It's going to take a little bit of time. And then they'd be like, okay, it's time to push. And then I would fucking like give it all I had again. And then he <laughs> didn't come out. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so I think I literally like pushed my butthole out. <laughs> yeah. You know what? <laughs> These things happen. <laughs> oh, my God. 
but you, you, you felt, you felt like it was inside out. Maybe it was just like poofy, like, like it was swollen. Well, for sure. We, the whole area down there will be very swollen, right? Like what happens to us is it's kind of trauma, right? In terms of the amount of force and pressure that we're putting on down there for a prolonged period of time, whether that's 20 minutes or like three hours, right? That's a lot. In my case, so, you know, like, I don't know, later that day or the next day, like, before you go home, someone checks on you, right? Like, the OB, whoever's on call that day. So the doctor mm-hmm. that was on call that day didn't deliver my son. So she came to check in on me. And she just, like, had to check my sutures or whatever. And so she was looking down there. <laughs> and, like, this is something that no doctor should ever do to a woman or a person, so she like looked in between my legs to check on stuff and she made this like face. Like this is a podcast, so you can't see my face, but like a Ugh! like that kind of a face. <gasps> and she was like she's like, You really got some hemorrhoids. I was like, Girl, I know. And you don't need to like announce it like that with that face to me. Because now I'm seriously concerned. Like everything was just so fucked up down there, but like that did that was bad bedside manner. And I don't think she meant it in a bad way. I just think perhaps it caught her by surprise. But that wasn't cool, lady. Oh, man, I didn't even look down there at all. Okay. Anyway, we we survived. We survived. Yeah, we're here to tell our stories. <laughs> yeah, no, everyone else can either laugh or kind of commiserate with us. And that's <laughs> so, okay, the last topic that we're going to talk about, which is a good one as well, is sex postpartum Mm -hmm. so I know you know the standard of care is you get your six-week checkup and the doctor is just going to be like yep go ahead or no don't go ahead and that's with regard to everything right like it's not a specific individualized you know checklist of what you can and can't do so most couples that I know of waited much longer than six weeks to have sex. Um, we, I think for us, it was 10 weeks. And yeah, I think it bothers me that people assume when your outside is healed, like the superficial, you know, wounds, that the inside is healed. And it's not the case at all. So yeah, I think a lot of women, when they're having sex postpartum, either because they're not totally healed, it's painful. Or I know things like scar tissue buildup uh, can be an issue. So what, what are some things that are common that would cause painful sex uh, in postpartum? And what can physio do to help with that? Mm-hmm. So this is a great question. So for sure, I agree with what you said that like, you know, often around six weeks, midwife or OB will say, yeah, you're good to go. Like, go ahead, have at her. But like sex is so much more than just like, you know, if we're talking about like male, female sex, it's more than just penis going inside a vagina, right? Like it's so much more than that. So we have to feel like emotionally ready for that. We have to feel like uh, we have enough energy for that. We have to not feel kind of scared about pain or how our body may look or how we might feel about how our body looks. Like there's so many things that are like, more your wheelhouse than mine, I feel. Um, but when it comes to just like, you know, getting your body maybe ready, because painful sex is a thing that, you know, some women experience postpartum. So definitely scar tissue, like you mentioned. So around the perineum, which is a space between the vagina and the anus, that, that tissue there, that's commonly where we will tear during a vaginal birth or where 
um, a doctor would uh, perform an episiotomy, which is cutting of that tissue, which is not routine anymore. However, it still definitely does happen. So when either of those things happen, a tear or an episiotomy, there are sutures, usually dissolvable sutures that, that kind of are placed in there. And the tears that women can have can be fairly mild or, you know, like just, you know, very short little tear, um, not too deep, or they can be quite long and deep, meaning like they can go all the way to your asshole. Um, so that's a tear that will, you know, hopefully and usually heal quite well. But like any scar in our body, it will develop scar tissue. So that area there, that perineum, there's a lot of muscles that of the pelvic floor that kind of pass through that area first and foremost. So we want to address scar tissue so that those muscles and that tissue doesn't heal in kind of a tight position so that when that area is stretched, for example, during penetrative sex, that we're not like, holy crap, that hurts, right? So ways that you can do that are by stretching the tissue, by massaging the scar, by what we call mobilizing the scar um, fairly early on. So once the scar has healed and you're, uh, you know, there's no more open spaces, once the sutures have come out or dissolved, that's when you can start to kind of like just, you know, rub and move the scar under your finger. I can teach, I teach women often to kind of like hook their thumb, just the pad of their thumb inside the vagina and then the pad of their index finger on the outside and you kind of can gently grab or pinch like the scar and you can roll it under your finger. So basically stretching and mobilizing the tissue there and the scar can help it to move better, can help it to heal better, can help it to be not quite so sensitive when it is stretched. Um, and so this is good for when you're preparing for sex. But this is also good when you're just going back to having like healthy and functional pelvic floor muscles, right? For like poos as well and for just general strength and function. So that is one of the things. But even if you don't have a tear, a lot of us like do have tight pelvic floor muscles as we chatted about like earlier in this podcast. Um, so using some of those similar techniques to kind of stretch and massage the area is not a bad idea. You're getting in touch with your body again after having a baby. You're, you know, trusting, you're being more confident in yourself. Um, and that can help from like a, you know, a mental and a physical point of view as well. Totally. Because you're able to like yourself you know with the biofeedback is that the right word yeah I just thought like I'm I'm so impressed with myself right now like biofeedback who are you but yeah like you yourself you yourself if you're you know massaging and feeling down there then you're able to you know understand if you're ready to have sex or not and like like you said it would totally ease some anxiety and it also Mm -hmm. blows my mind that You know, I'm just thinking about like my mom has had like a minor, you know, like um, a mole removed on her chest and she had that done by I think it was a plastic surgeon or a dermatologist. And, you know, the care for that simple little procedure that was like in and out. She had like creams, she had instructions to massage it every so often, like to so that scar tissue didn't build up. Like it was a whole fucking like rigmarole. And yeah. I'm thinking back now, like nobody told me fucking anything about massaging my scar from birthing a child. Why would they? Like, this is what we do. I'm being sarcastic. But yeah, you're right. It's stupid. We should be doing all of these things. Yeah. Like, you know what? It's it's all of this. It's just some of this stuff is not rocket science, right? Like we don't need, this shouldn't be a secret. Like this should all be common knowledge that we pass down to our friends who are having their first baby, or even if it's not their first baby, right? Because from pregnancy to pregnancy and child to child, things can be so different. But like, 
some of these concepts are already being implemented like as standards of care in other areas. Like why, why not postpartum moms? Like why, you know, it doesn't make any sense. It's so crazy. Also the perineal massaging. Like I, I'm lucky. I went to see a pelvic floor physio when I was pregnant and I kind of learned like so much about it. I had never even heard about it, which is crazy because my husband's a urologist and yeah. And like he refers people to pelvic health physios all the time. So it just blows my mind that I really wasn't aware. So when I went to go see her and then she taught me about the the perineal massage, I was like, of course, like this makes so much sense. Why wouldn't I like start to stretch out before birthing a child? Like, oh my God, it's it just it blows my mind. Can I give like maybe a couple more sex tips? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. So for everybody postpartum, like we talked about hormones a little bit earlier on about how they kind of like they slow down our gut and maybe some of us get constipated, et cetera. So hormones obviously are major at play after the baby's born and they're really like trying to rebalance um, for quite some time. But some of the hormones, especially if we're breastfeeding, can result in things being like dry as fuck down there. So you need to find lubricant and you need to like use lubricant and you need to use more than you think, right? So like, don't just follow the advice of maybe your doctor or like people are like, oh, have another glass of wine and have sex. Like if you want to have wine, like have wine, but you shouldn't have wine just so that you can like bear sex, right? No, fine. Have the wine or the whiskey if you want it and then use a shit ton of lube. Okay, because like if things are dry down there, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't matter if you had a tear. It doesn't matter if you didn't have a tear. It doesn't matter if you really, really want to have sex and you feel fine about it. It's just physically not going to feel good. Like, it's just not. Let's be honest. We don't even need to say more than that. Just get a bunch of lube, make it slippery and it'll it'll be better. Um, So definitely get definitely get lube and use a lot of it and like take lots of time. Right. So maybe before having a baby, you're like, you know, you didn't need a lot of foreplay, didn't need a lot of time to like kind of get warmed up like just take more time right and like have a chat with your partner beforehand even if talking about this kind of stuff makes you feel like honestly just not having sex like if communication about this stuff is hard or doesn't feel comfortable I like implore people to just talk about it because a few minutes of like a conversation that may feel so awkward to you can just that open communication can just solve so many problems maybe or misunderstandings like a lot like men are not going to understand what we what we go through as women when it comes to pregnancy and and having a baby in postpartum like as much as they try they're just not they're never going to have that physical experience right so we can if we don't communicate to them what we need and what's going on even if we don't know what we need um like if we don't communicate then like there's literally no chance in hell so talk about it like have take way more time for foreplay and use a lot of lube and massage all like yourself or your perineum whether you tore or not I support all these messages. <laughs> so, okay, the last thing was, I know you have two resources that you wanted to share with everyone. So what are those? Yeah, so actually I have three. I lied to you. Okay. So these are all Instagram accounts. And I didn't, I, I, I like Instagram. It's like my social media platform of choice. Um, and I, I wish I had access to some of these accounts when I was like in the early postpartum days. So the first one is called 100 Days Of. And it's an account that's, I think, based like two women in Toronto kind of started this account. And basically, it's a way for women to share 
and anonymously their stories of like what their first 100 days after having a baby um, was like. So kind of that fourth trimester, right? So they're really honest, raw feelings and thoughts of women. And it's really nice to know that whatever feelings you're having, you're not alone. So I really enjoy that account. That's awesome. Yeah. And there's another account that is by a pediatrician here in Toronto, Dr. Dina Kulik. And it's a really wonderful account. She does like awesome TikToks and she shares a lot of really amazing information and resources. And she's trust, she's trustworthy. Like she's a friend of mine. My son goes to a, another doctor in her practice, but it's just wonderful content. So I really rely on that um, in terms of just like, you know, right now with all this COVID stuff going on, she really provides the evidence and the facts and her opinion, obviously as a pediatrician with four small boys about like the whole COVID situation. So anyhow, Dr. Dina Kulik, that's the Instagram that I love. And another one is a little bit more um, related to kind of mental health, like for moms, which I think is, again, just needs just as much support and help of pelvic floor situations, if not more, um, and is completely outside of my wheelhouse. But the account is happy as a mother. So I really, really like those three accounts for those three different purposes. I agree. Instagram is such a good place to find information, entertainment, like it's such a good, I love it. So lastly, I'll just let you tell people where they can find you. Mm -hmm. So the best place to find me and the place that I'm most active on and um, always around is on Instagram at Box Wellness Co. So definitely I have a lot of content out there that's on pelvic health, mainly geared towards postpartum and prenatal concerns, but all kinds of stuff on there. And you'll also find information through the link in that bio about if you wanted to chat about a virtual consult or if you wanted to download some resource fact sheets that I have, you can access it all through there. So Instagram is the best place to find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking about poop and sex with me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That was really fun. Frig, I hope you guys took notes during that episode, but if you didn't, you can always go back and take notes, I suppose. The episode's not going anywhere. All of Aaliyah's information can be found in the episode notes as well as the Instagram accounts that she mentioned as her three resources for moms. Check out her website, Box Wellness Co. The link is also in the episode notes. And if you're too shy to go see a pelvic floor physio in person or it's just not something that you want to do, you can always make an appointment with her and do a virtual consultation and you will learn so much. Thank you guys so much for listening. Tuesday's solo episode is going to be about our decision to only have one child. Uh, and yeah, all the things that come with that. You can find me on Instagram and on TikTok at the.mom.room. My website is renearena.com. And of course, if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to it. Now go take all this information about pooping and sexing and use it. Use it all. And I hope your children sleep tonight so that you can use the sex part of the tips. (laughs) Oh my god, the sex part of the tips. (laughs) Okay, good night guys, or good day, good morning. Hope your children sleep. (laughs) 